there. Moms and dads and grandparents and aunts and uncles, turn your Bible to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. 1 Chronicles, one of the history books of the Old Testament, chapter 28. We're going to learn about David's last will and testament. You know by now, if you've been here very long, that I really like David. I, I love David. He was an incredible young man, and he became an amazing king. He was a warrior, uh, and, and, and I love so much about him. What I don't like is uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we preached about that a couple of weeks ago with what happened with Bathsheba. But here in 1 Chronicles 28, David is already an old man now. And by the way, in case you haven't figured it out, you young 20-somethings, life goes by in a hurry. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, it goes by in a hurry. It's like our, my week is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. I've got an eight-day clock at home. I have to wind it every two days. I'm telling you, life just goes faster the older you get. Tempest fugit, it does indeed. And David had been the second king of the nation of Israel. Saul had been the first one. David was a man after God's own heart. David was loved by God and by his people, and his reign was long and glorious, with the exception of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and some of the things that happened uh, as a result of that, some of the problems that happened because of that. Now he, he's on his deathbed. He's, li- he's, he's getting, getting ready to die at any time. And Israel was about to go into a new era. They were about to have a brand new king. And his, knee, his name would be, Sol- uh, would, would be Solomon, oddly enough, a son by Bathsheba. I just find that odd. That's the grace of God, that that relationship that had been unholy at first now is blessed by God. And so this son, Solomon, became the wisest man at that time the world had ever known and became the next king, was about to become the next king. So David calls Solomon in, into his presence, and gives him a charge. And he gives him his marching orders, kind of his last will and testament. Uh, And that's part of our text for today in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 20 and 21. And David said to Solomon his son, Be strong and of good courage, and do it, and fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even thy God, will be with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you, until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold, the courses of the priests and of the Levites, and they shall be with you, For all the service of the house of God, and there shall be with you for all manner of workmanship, every willing, skillful man for any manner of service, also the princes and the people will be holy at your commandment. And by the way, by the way, uh, Jesus, our Savior, also had a last will of testament, a charge before he left. But first of all, let's look at David's and kind of parse it, kind of go over it phrase by phrase for just a moment. His first word, his first encouragement was to be strong. And we know what this means, don't we? To be strong means to strengthen, to prevail, to kind of harden against circumstances, against adverse circumstances. Why would David have to, uh, have to charge his son to be strengthened or to prevail or to harden? I'll tell you why. Because the flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. The Bible says, Jesus said, watch you and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready but the flesh is weak. The Apostle Peter showed that to us, didn't he? 
I like the Apostle Peter, too. He's a man of action. He's a man of words. He, he, he was uh, there quickly, <clears throat> mere minutes before, saying to Jesus, I pledge myself to be alongside of you. I will stay with you. And if it means imprisonment, I'll be by your side. If it means death, I'll be uh, by your side. It doesn't matter. And in just a relatively short period of time, Peter would not only forsake him, he would eventually even deny knowing him, and he would do so swearing with oaths. And we look at the apostle Peter and we criticize him. We say, what kind of a man of God? What kind of an apostle is that? Why in the world? Here he's going to stand beside Jesus, no matter what, and in the garden, what happens? He, he, force, he leaves him, and he denies he even knows him, and he cusses while he's doing it. We're no better. Without God's help, we're no stronger. Uh, I, I, I marvel at the flesh, my flesh, how weak it is when it comes to, like, diets. I can decide in the morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat healthy today. <clears throat> That's about 6 o'clock. <clears throat> I'm going to eat healthy today. By 6.25, I've usually already messed up <clears throat> because I like cereal, and uh, the cereal I like is, has a rather high sugar content. It's like coated with sugar. But sometimes I'll say, okay, I'll eat eggs because eggs are high protein. They're good for you. Lots of cholesterol, so I shouldn't have done that. Sometimes I'll say, well, I'll just have a piece of toast. So then I get loaded up with gluten and carbs, and carbs are my friend. And it just amazes me how difficult it is to stick with a diet. And then my wife, my wonderful wife, brings all these little packages of chocolate into the house. And I'll walk past that cabinet, and I'll hear it say, eat me, eat me. And I'll say, no, no, I'm not going. And I walk past it, and about the third time I walk past it, I black out. <laughs> and I come to, and I've got chocolate on my fingers, and there's little wrappers all over the countertop. I, I, I make fun, but I'm telling you, why is it so hard to diet? Why is it so hard? <clears throat> I mean, that's relatively, compared to spiritual things, that's not a big deal. Just say, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat those french fries. I'm not going to do it. But it's, the flesh is weak. And, and, and whether it's church attendance or prayer or Bible reading or tithing or, or witnessing to people or whatever it is that we resolve to do because it's right to do because it's a good thing to do, it just seems like our flesh is so weak. We are weak-willed, weak-hearted. It doesn't take a lot to stop us. In fact, I think it was Jerry Falwell who used to say, the measure of a man or woman of God is is what does it take to stop you? What does it take to stop you? And unfortunately, for many of us, it doesn't take very much at all. Now, physical strength comes from exercise, discipline and diet, working out, building muscles. A uh, lady over here works at the gym, and she, they have weights in the backyard, and every once in a while, they're over there pumping iron. And I mean, you know, it's like this... She, probably weighs like 100 pounds, and she's lifting like, I don't know, 1,400 pounds. I'm just throwing it up and down. I want to mess with her. I want to mess with her. Not at all. But strength comes from exercise, from discipline, from diet. Spiritual strength comes from the Lord. Let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Let him that thinks he's strong be, watch out because our flesh is so weak. Strength comes from the Lord, from the Word of God, from our resolve in the Word of God. 
That's why I've got to be in the Bible every day. I've got to be in the Bible every single day because my resolve by itself without the Word of God, my resolve without the Lord is going to fail. I need His strength. I need His help. I need His reminder. I need His encouragement. I need His instruction. Flesh is so. And anytime we decide we're going to live for God, what happens? The enemy comes right face to face with us, does he not? Paul said to Timothy, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall suffer persecution. Persecution, opposition, it can be, it can be some serious opposition like they're having um, in, in India. Christians are dying in India. They're dying in nations in Africa. They're dying in different places. It can be because, uh, like the Christians in China are undergoing right now, a crackdown, and they're being imprisoned, and uh, all kinds of issues. It, it can be that kind of opposition. Or it can just be a neighbor who's not real crazy about the fact that, uh, that you, you know, talk to him every once in a while about the Lord, or you play Christian music, and he hears it coming from your house. But opposition, persecution will come. Remember when Nehemiah and and remember when Ezra would face hundreds of years later in what they would face in building the temple, rebuilding the temple? They had to work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand. Opposition will come. And about the time we decide we're going to be faithful to God, we're going to do what he says to do, opposition will hit us right in the face. And Solomon was going to take over the reins of a nation that wasn't known for always obeying God. And so David said, son, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong. I want you to be resolute. I want you to be strengthened. I want you to harden yourself against, not in a bad way, I want you to harden yourself against the forces around you that will try to get you to stop. Secondly, he said, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Now, is that the same thing as being strong? Not necessarily. To be of, of good courage means to be alert, brave, stout, bold, solid, hard. A strong man can be courageous, and a man of courage might be strong, but neither is automatic. A very strong person might not have any courage at all, while a very weak person might have a lot of courage. The English definition of being strong is a quality of mind that enables you to face danger with self-possession or confidence or bravery. And by the way, confidence is a, is a compound word in the Latin referring to with the con, with faith. Confidence is not in ourselves, with faith in the Lord, in his being with us and his providing for us. I watched a documentary, I think it was last, uh, within the last week or so, on the sea wolves uh, during the Vietnam era. How many know about the sea wolves? All right. Amazing, amazing, courageous. I mean, these guys uh, that flew these things into extraction points and into fire, 50 caliber guns blazing, all of the stuff that went on. Uh, I knew a guy in my former church who was a Sea Wolf pilot. In fact, at one time he had been shot down, uh, but he had I don't know how many missions under his belt and would fly into all kinds of fire. And yet these guys, they they were incredibly Courageous. They flew in these old Hueys that were hand-me-downs from the Army uh, given to the Navy that were kind of put back together and taped up and riveted back together and put a gun in each door and go after uh, rangers and SEALs who were needing uh, some attention. These were courageous men. 
going into fire. It's the same kind of courage that caused firemen and policemen to go into the towers as they were on fire. Same kind of courage that police have now when they run to gunfire instead of running away from gunfire. David knew what it was to have courage. David, as a young boy, had, had killed a lion with his bare hands. He had killed a bear with his bare hands. He had killed these things because they were attacking his father's sheep. And he was a shepherd. Uh, David was, uh, when he was a young boy still, went down into the valley against Goliath with a slingshot and five smooth stones. And there is Goliath, I mean huge, and he's got armor from his head to his toe. And he's got a spear that's so heavy and a sword that's so heavy. And he's got another guy just holding his shield out in front of him. And David comes to him in the name of the Lord. He had courage. So David knew what it was to have courage facing a lion or bear in the wilderness, a giant on the battlefield, or an insane king at the dinner table. Because many, many times King Saul tried to kill, out of jealousy, tried to kill David. So let me ask you a question. How, how are we at displaying courage in our own homes? How are we on the job? Well, preacher, i got to be careful on the job. Yes, you do. You have to be careful. I'm not saying take your employer's time and witness you know, for five hours out of eight hours, but I am saying you need to be courageous. You need to let people know. I told you a couple weeks ago, the steel mill I worked at, is, it, would, it would crack me up. I would wait until all the guys got into the, into the lunchroom and got going because they would play poker during lunch, and then I would go in and sit down at their table and open up my Bible. And, put, and then one by one, they would get up and move to another table so they could play their poker. Uh, at, at work, at school, how are you at school? How, how do you show courage at school? I don't mean being silly. I don't mean being uh, offensive and obnoxious, but just being courageous. Or at the grocery store, in the ball field, or on the battlefield. I love it when, when we see someone in a restaurant who will say grace before a meal. Does that take courage? I mean, it shouldn't. That just ought to be automatic for thank you, God, for providing food for another meal for us. Thank you so much. What's the problem with that? Do we take a stand for the weak? Do we take a stand for the poor, the defenseless, the disadvantaged? Do we take a stand for God and morality in our community and decency in our nation? This nation is sick. We are sick. We're a society that's dying, and the Christians are to be what? Salt and light, right? We're to be salt and light. Salt is a preservative. Salt is a disinfectant. Salt, light can heal, and light shows the way. That's what we're supposed to be in this society. We're not doing a very good job as Christians. Don't blame the atheists. Don't blame the abortionists. We are not doing a very good job as Christians in influencing our society for God. Sometimes we just go with the flow. It's easier just to drift downstream with the group think. Just fall right into it. And maybe not agree with it all, but don't say anything. Don't rock the boat. Is the church the place where you're courageous? It doesn't take an ounce of courage to take a stand for God in the church, folks. You're, you're, we're all like-minded here pretty much. And you know what? 
it doesn't, it's easy to take a stand here. This, this, is, like, uh, this is like on Monday morning when I, when I say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat right this week. This is like Monday, being courageous in the church. But then when I actually sit down to a meal, and when you get out of here, when you walk out of these doors, when you get in your car, when you go to the restaurant, when you go to your neighborhood, when you go to work tomorrow or later on today, that's where we need to take our stands for decency, for God, for morality. And the third thing he says, he says, be strong, be of good courage. And I love this. I'm just a simple preacher, okay? I, just, I put it out here on, on the bottom shelf. David said, do it. Just do it. Don't just talk about it. Do it. Pardon my impatience, but do it. Whatever it is, if it needs to be done, do it. You need to get saved, get saved. Put your faith and trust in Christ. What are you waiting for? I said a little while ago, last words are important. I remember hearing this story probably 40 years ago now, maybe 45 years ago, a young lady that got in an argument with her mom and, and told her those very things I said to these kids, don't ever say it. And she said, I hate you, mom, I hate you. And she got on a school bus and went to school. And, and as she was going to school, ambulances came by her and she got to school and went to class and then a counselor or the principal, one or the other, came and got her out of class and took her into the office and said something terrible had happened to her mom, and her mom had been killed after she left, left home. And it, it, what, a, what a scene at the funeral when this daughter just draped herself over the, 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 the casket and cried out, Mom, I love you, I love you, I love you, but it was too late. Her mom couldn't hear it then. You need to get saved. What are you waiting for? It may, be the, it may be the last opportunity you have. It may be too late. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He, he shed his blood for you. He redeemed you. He sought you out. He loves us with so much that, that he was willing to die on the cross and to pay the price for your sins, for my sins. So pardon my impatience, but just trust him. Just get baptized. Just join the church. Just live for God. Just take that stand. Just do what's right. Be strong. Be courageous, but do it. You want to witness other people? Just do it. You say, well, preacher, I don't know how. You know what? There's a whole bunch of tracks. We've probably got six or eight different kind of tracks. There's one, how to get to heaven from Coronado. <laughs> take it. Look at it. It won't take you five minutes to go over it. We got another one, uh, get out of hell free card. And it's got the verses on the back. We, we got one on, the, the, in fact, the wordless book, the, the, the black is for sin, the red is for the blood, the green is for new life in Christ and growth, and the white is for purity when we get washed from our sin. I mean, we've got, we'll help you. Let, let us know. We want you to do what God wants you to do. You want to obey God? You want to get victory over sin? You want to uh, get a good job? You want to go to heaven? You, well, just do it. Whatever it is God's laying on your heart, do it. Comes a time when we got to push away from our drawing table and get a hammer and nails and just do it. Don't, don't just think about it. Don't just talk about it. The curse of most Christians is, well, someday. We're, I, I, this happened in Bible college. When I was in Bible college, it's like, well, someday I'm going to build a church. Someday I'm going to lead people to Christ. Someday I'm going to preach. Someday I'm. And you know what? For a lot of people, someday never comes. How about today? Today is the day of salvation, the scriptures say. 
Be strong, be courageous, do it. Build the temple and then fear not. Don't tremble or be afraid. This is a, a tool that is a worn out tool that Satan uses. Because once we decide to do something for God, we become fearful. Fear is the opposite of faith. Faith says, I'll do what God wants me to do because he'll enable me to do it. Fear says, I can't do that. I can't. Hey, I remember giving book reports when I would just shake in, in school. You ever remember that? I'm just it's like, I don't want to get up there and give a book report. A lot of times I hadn't read the book, and that was part of the reason. That was part of the problem. And now... Some of you think, I wish he'd hurry up and get done. Uh, I, I just, I enjoy preaching. I love preaching. But I've read the book. <laughs> and, and, it's, and it's good stuff in there. Perfect love casts out fear. I love what they said. How many know the name John Rice? All three of us. Okay. John Rice was a great evangelist back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way up. He came to the church four or five, three or four, four or five times, I don't know. Uh, and, uh, and he was preaching against uh, bootleggers and, and alcohol and all that in Texas. And, after the, and he was hurting the industry there locally. He's hurt, hurting the bars. And so after one service, somebody out in the parking lot came up to him and stuck a gun in his ribs and said, you need to stop preaching what you're preaching about alcohol. And John Rice said, he said, I don't know, I wasn't there. John Rice said, he said, you trying to threaten me with heaven? Because that's where I'm going to go if you shoot me. Perfect love casts out fear. Unbelief is evidenced by fear. When we get, you, next time you get afraid of something or someone, analyze it, it'll be because your faith that God's going to take you through that has been weakened. God told Jeremiah something very interesting. He, he said, don't be afraid of their faces. Look at Jeremiah 1.6. Then said I, Jeremiah, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a child. But the Lord said to me, say not, I am a child, for you shall go do, to do all that I shall send you, and whatsoever I command you, you will speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Now, okay, I've been a preacher for 45 years. And I think I know what that means. Because sometimes when I'm preaching on certain things, I look out, and some people will be like, and they'll kind of glare, try to look mean. All that does to me now is make me pour it on more. Stick on, stay on that point a little while. It's probably carnal, but that's, that's what I do. Stay on that point a little bit longer. I remember one time we used to have, at the other church, uh, we'd have Mormon um, missionaries that would come through. When the new Mormon missionaries would get to our area, they would knock on doors and find so many people going to that church from, from the community that they would come visit. And so this particular set of guys one time sitting over here to my right, and, uh, and I came to the end of the service and the invitation, and, and I said, I want everybody to bow your head, close your eyes, and they, they just looked right at me. And I started going through what I do. You've heard me do it with the invitation. And I said, now let's bow our heads so we don't embarrass anybody. And they just kept staring at me. I said, now, if, you, if you're going to hell and you know it, look right up here at me. <laughs> they both bowed their heads really quick, really quickly. 
Don't be afraid of the faces. What, 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 why should we be afraid? The, the Lord is our God. He's our warrior. He's our, our redeemer. He's the one who died for us. He's the one who's coming back for us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. One of the signs of the last times is men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth. But the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And we have physical fears. That family, that family, that little five-year-old boy, Doug, Oh, my goodness. Last two weeks now, two and a half, three weeks or so, just lying in bed, dying, no hope, in a lot of pain, morphine, physical death, fear of dying, fear of knowing what's going to happen later on, financial fears, the market dropped, what, 800 points one day last week? You know what? It's a good thing when your security is not in your stocks and bonds, but your security is in the Lord, ultimately. It's a great thing. Financial fears, mental, emotional fears, they abound. They're everywhere. But make us like David who said, be strong, be courageous, and do it, and don't be afraid. Make us like Daniel who said, I just want you to know, uh, if, if, if in fact uh, you make this edict, I'm still going to bow and I'm still going to pray to the God of heaven. And, and he did, and he was thrown into the lion's den, but God closed the mouth of the lions. Be like Shadmach, Meshach, and Abednego who said, we just want you to know, king, we, 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 when we hear the music, we will not bow down to your idol. Just want you to know that. Um, it, nothing, don't take it personally. Well, he took it personally, put him into a furnace that was heated up seven times hotter than it normally was. The people who the guards who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace were consumed by the flames. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around and they're going, it's a little chilly. Can we turn the heat up a little bit? Now, they didn't really say that. Just checking. But the king said, there's a fourth person. Did we not throw three men in the fire? There's a fourth person there, like unto the Son of God. Let others tremble before omnipotent God. You know what? Because seriously, again, you've heard this before. You've read the, if you've read the end of the book, you know who wins, right? You know who wins. And then he said, be strong, be courageous, build a temple, fear not, be not dismayed. To the shattered, to be dismayed means to be shattered, means to be broken, means to be discouraged, means to be afraid. Uh, this is, there's no time for discouragement, no time for depression. Remember, I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. One of the places you don't want to be is a place of discouragement. Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Learn how. Learn the scriptures and the truth of scriptures that buoy you up when everything else seems to be dragging you down. Worry is not productive. A great deal of what we worry about, someone's put percentages on that, but I don't know how you figure that out. A great deal of what we worry about never even happens. And guess what? The things that do happen, worry doesn't keep it from happening. So, so it's unproductive. Fear and defeat must be banished from our thought processes because, be, why? Because of the next point. It all hinges on the next point. The Lord will be with you. Be strong, be courageous, do it. Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed because the Lord will be with you. You know that song, no, never alone, no, never alone. He promised never to leave you, never to leave you alone. David reminded Solomon that Jehovah God was with him. 
The psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Paul said, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? The Bible says, our Lord shall fight for us. The writer of Hebrews said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's how we can be strong. And that's why we should be courageous. And that's why we should do the job God's given us to do. And that's why we need not fear and not be dismayed. That's the key because he is with us. He will not fail us. He will not forsake us. He will not die. He will not go on vacation. He will not move away. He will not be anywhere that you cannot approach him. So be strong, courageous, do it. Fear not. Be dismayed. Don't be dismayed. The Lord will be with you and Last point is this, and this is a fun part. There'll be others to help you. There are others that will help us. We have God. I'm supremely thankful for that, supremely. But we have other people that will help. It was like the little girl who all of a sudden got fearful and afraid of being in a room by herself at night. So the dad put her to bed like he normally did and gave her a kiss and told her he loved her. And as he walked out and started closing the door, she began to whimper. And he opened the door back up and said, what's wrong, honey? She said, I'm afraid. He said, don't be afraid. This is your room. Dad and mom are out here. Everything's okay. Started closing the door again. She started whimpering again. Did that two or three times. And then the dad thought, I know what to take care of it. And he went over and said, honey, you don't need to be afraid because when dad leaves the room, God is still here with you. She says, I know, Daddy, but sometimes I just need somebody with skin on. (laughs) I don't know about you, but sometimes I need somebody with skin on. I need somebody, Ron, I need somebody, a bunch of you, with skin on. People who are in the battle with you, people who are in the trenches with you, people who are alongside of you. My wife, Bobby, been here longer than I have, working. Julie, secretary, leadership team, incredible, such incredible unity, vision, leadership team. The VIP ministry, greeters, greeting people. It's so important when people come in that they feel uh, attended to and that they're helped and, and, and find seating and so on. And praise team up here <coughs> singing as they do, welcoming people and praising God, leading some worship, men's ministry team leaders and fellowship dinner team and navigator ministry, reaching all those men and women in our military and nursery workers who make it possible for us to be able to preach out here without... Fellow tithers, media guys and gals, working on the computer, working on the sound, George up here rearranging everything, plugging wires in, children, adult teachers are over here. By the way, we can use some more. If you would like to once once a month work in that ministry or the sound ministry or praise team or whatever, uh, let us know. But children, adult teachers, treasurers, and bookkeepers who do the finances and take care of stuff so that uh, everything runs smoothly and is above reproach and is done decently in order. Those who straighten up the seating and because of this crazy OCD or is it 
COD, or CDO is the right order, right? A preacher who wants all the little envelopes standing upright and wants all the, uh, the pens standing upright and wants everything looking decently and small group leaders and, and maintenance volunteers and David on the computer, when I get into trouble, he helps me out and more. David reminded Solomon, you don't have to build the temple by yourself, Solomon. You don't have to put every stone in place. You don't have to make the golden bowls and labors and, and the ark overlaid with gold and the, and the mercy seat and the cherubim on top of that. You don't have to do all that by yourself because I've sent others who are qualified and they will help you. So, so do the job. I'm thankful we have others with skin on to help carry the load and do the ministry and serve our God. Jesus also had a last will and testament. It's found five times in the New Testament, the New Covenant. One of those times is in Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. That's pretty well inclusive of everything. Go ye therefore, go ye therefore, the disciples, go ye therefore, the followers, go ye therefore, the ones who assembled to hear him, to see what he had to say, his last words on this earth before he ascended into heaven. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all the way, even to the end of the world, the end of this age, amen. Solomon David said, build the temple, Solomon, be, of strong, be strong, be of good courage, do it, fear not, be not dismayed. The Lord will help you and others will help you too. And Jesus says, in effect, build my church, be strong and courageous, do it. Don't be fearful or afraid, I'm with you and many others will be with you in the work. So my question to you is, are we doing the work? Are we doing what God wants us to do? Are you living for him? Wherever you are, you visitors, you're here, you go back home. At home, are you plugged in? Are you serving God? Do you have ministry? Every member, a minister. Every single member, a minister. That's our goal. That's what we ought to be doing. Are you doing it? The last words are important. The last things he said to us was go therefore, teach all nations. Unless you're a Mormon, Miss Sharon, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now. Every head bowed. Just for a moment, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a very probing question, okay? And I will not embarrass you. You have my promise. I will not embarrass you in any way. But if you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I am not certain if I died today that I would be in heaven tonight. I'm just going to be honest with you, Preacher. I do not have the assurance if I died today that I would be in heaven tonight. Don't even know if I believe in God. Or maybe I believe in it, but I'm just not ready. I just, I wouldn't be there. Would you let me pray for you? Would you let me do that? I will not embarrass you again, but just raise your hand for a moment and say, Preacher, I don't know. If I died today, I'd be in heaven tonight. Pray for me. Just hold it up quickly. God bless you. Others, God bless you. Anyone else? I'm not sure, Preacher. Yes, God bless you. God loves you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Anyone else? I just want to pray for you. Let me do that. If, if there is no God, it won't hurt you. If there is a God, it might help. One more time. Preacher, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd be in heaven tonight. Pray for me. Anyone else? Father, for these hands that were raised, oh God, I pray that you would convict and convince them of these things. That first of all, 
All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. This preacher, first and foremost, every one of us have sinned. And secondly, that the wages of sin is death. We're all going to die one day. Not a pleasant thought, not an exciting thought, but we're going to die one day. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you said if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that you raised your son from the dead, that we can be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, I pray for these. And I pray right now that they would put their faith and trust in you. With every head still bowed, if you just... A moment ago, raised your hand, or maybe should have, but you didn't. I know it's not some formula. It's not like abracadabra, please save me, and that's it. It's a, it's a heart condition whereby we realize we're sinners. We're going to die and stand before God. Jesus died for us on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. And if you believe he'll save you, he'll forgive you, then I want you to pray this prayer. Pray something like this. Dear God, I know that I stand guilty before you. I've broken your laws so many times. And I know one day I'll die and stand before you. I believe that Jesus is your son and he died on the cross and was buried. And by faith I believe he rose on the third day. And right now, I ask you to be my savior. Take away my sins. Give me eternal life. Help me to be a child of yours by faith. And I pray it in Jesus' name with every head bowed. If you just prayed that prayer now, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you raise your hand up? Hold it up right now, just for a moment. If there's anything that I can do to help you, I'll be glad to. On the back, look up this way just for a moment. On the back table, right by the sound booth, there's some blue plastic bags. And in those plastic bags are some things that will help you. If you're seeking, if you want to know if God's really real, if you want to know what your next step is, if you want to know how to trust Christ or how to surrender your life, whatever it is, pick up one of those bags. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to say, just pick it up, take it with you. If we could be of any help, we want to. But let's stand together right now. And as we stand, we're going to sing a verse of our invitation hymn. This is an invitation. For you as member or visitor or whoever you are, if you need to come to receive Christ, if you need to come rededicate your life to the Lord, if you want to say, I want to be baptized in church, or I want to, I want to surrender my life to ministry, whatever it is God's leading you to do, people on either side of you will gladly move and let you come to the front. My wife right down here, Rachel right here for ladies and for the guys. Uh, yeah, Fitz is right over here, and uh, Dave is right back here. So come on right now. This verse. This invitation, as we sing it, is just for you. Come on.
Another verse just for you. Come on. Be courageous. Take that walk as we sing. One more verse. as you leave here in just a few moments the Lord will go with you uh, I invite you to make whatever decision he wants you to make at your earliest opportunity don't forget if you're helping feed children in Pakistan Karachi Pakistan $28 a month we'll take care of feeding them about 65 or so students we're feeding uh, there and then chairs supposed to come in uh, after the first week of September and uh, there are, if you want to help with that, defray the expenses, they're about $65 each approximately. Uh, so if you want to do that, but again, I will reemphasize they're not your chairs. They are the Lord's chairs, okay? So Pat and I bought two, but we're not carving our name on them. Whoever wants to sit in them can sit in them. Check the bulletin for weekly announcements. If you didn't get one, I think the bulletin's over there by the offering box as well. Saturday, ladies will meet at Pioe's uh, on the grass outside of Pioe's, 8.30. Next Sunday, all alone in a crowded world. One of the incre most incredible things that I heard statistically this week is that millennials who are more socially networked and connected than any obviously any generation has ever been are among the loneliest feeling people in the entire country. So come find out, all alone in a crowded world. And congratulations, I don't know if they're here or not, Mr. and Mrs. Jimmy Caraz, uh, but uh, Jimmy and Courtney became husband and wife yesterday morning right here in this church. And so uh, congratulations to them. They're not here, are they? Yeah, honeymoon. honeymoons. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. I guess they're assembling with themselves. I don't know. But anyhow, all right, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. And Bobby, would you, Bobby Learn, would you dismiss us in prayer today? Amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day. So come and be chainless. Come and be fearless. Come to the foot of Calvary. There is redemption for every affection here at the foot.
Justice and praise become.